Hello and welcome to the RPA podcast, The Player's Voice. I'm your host, Ethan Waller, and it's my pleasure to welcome GB7's players, Emma Uren and Alex Davis, as we look ahead at the upcoming GB7 season and the return of the HSBC Sevens. Welcome to you both. Thank you for giving up your time this evening. Um, at the time of recording, you've just had your second camp, I believe, and you're heading to Malaga for some more pre-season fun ahead of the season starting. So how have these, uh, how have these camps been for you both? Good. Um, yeah, really good. It's, I think I absolutely love seven. So I'm just excited always to get back in with a group and kind of see everyone when it's been like a long off season. And then we had about a five week break. So it was nice to kind of come in and train all together. Training by yourself can be um, a little bit tedious um, so when we're all together, I think the first two counts, we were, I was absolutely knackered coming back for it because we were just buzzing, catching up with everyone. Um, but it's nice to be back in the sevens flow again. Yeah, I certainly echo what Emma said there. I think we're lucky in a sense that uh, both the men's and women's squads have stayed fairly consistent from last year to this year. So a lot of the same faces are hanging around. Um, so obviously everyone, everyone knows each other really well, gets on well. So it's always an exciting time to kick off a new season, um, especially with the Olympics on the horizon next summer. But I think just reflecting on these first two camps has been it's been great to get back involved with everyone and and sort of lay out some some visions and some goals for the upcoming season as well as acknowledging I guess some of the challenges of what our program looks like in terms of the camp structure but yeah I think everyone is always keen to get into camp and get stuck in some training up in Scotland where so far the weather has has held out for us which is which is good. Oh, I was going to say, that's lucky. Uh, of all places uh, to probably set yourself ready for a season of chasing the sun, uh, Scotland probably wouldn't have been the first choice for most people. But glad to hear that that's all, all going well and that the weather's at least holding out to you. But I'll just, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll come back just quickly before we move on to sort of the, the Olympic subjects. Um, now, obviously, Emma with the, the, the women have qualified for the Olympics next year, have won gold at the European Games. So you're preparing for that throughout the season. But Alex, and obviously narrow, narrowly missing out on qualification um, in the European Games. We've got a chance of qualifying in June. Are you sort of aiming those targets? Is that aiming for you to sort of peak around that time so that you guarantee that qualification ready for next year? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's already been spoken about a fair bit in terms of setting a goal for the season, almost that being our, I guess, our overriding sort of vision um, for the year. Uh, like you say, very unlucky to to miss out um, in the final against Ireland Um who I guess you'd say were probably worthy winners if you were reflecting on the season as a whole. Um, but um, these one-off games, you never know what, what might happen. Obviously we just didn't quite get over, get over the line, which is a shame, but um, I think we're, we're, we're certainly very confident looking forward to the, to the repercharge qualification in June next year and um, looking forward to, to what sort of opportunity that challenge will give us. Um, so many of us have already spoken about um the the excitement around representing Team GB at an Olympic Games for those that have done it and those that have ambitions to do it for the first time. Um, 
But at the same time, there's there's new challenges this year with the restructure of the seven series as well. Like obviously there's a new relegation and promotion um in place. And that's certainly something that's on our minds as well. Just trying to remain on the series for for the future of GB7's men's and women's program. Obviously, the more we the if we can have both teams as a as a presence on the series, and that's obviously going to help us in terms of generating more support and things like that. So there's that challenge, but I think the overriding um feeling and excitement for us is definitely that the ambition of qualifying for for Paris next year just before the Olympics kicks off on, on that note in in terms of sort of keeping that program alive and, and keeping it forward obviously you, you've had a fair share of challenges both with the men's and the women's sevens teams how do you think it's being portrayed at the moment because I remember a time you know sort of not not that long ago where every single sevens tournament it was so easy to find you'd see it broadcast on Sky Sports or, or everywhere and it seems to be now that to find it broadcast it is quite difficult is that something that you've you've seen is the support sort of the ease of getting to see these games and seeing these tournaments become more difficult as time's gone on do you think it's definitely um it's sometimes hard when you're playing at different t- like times as well, um, where a lot of the time we've had to have to pretty much watch it live. Um, and we know there's a YouTube ch- channel set up as well. And they're looking now with this new setup to hopefully set a link up as well, a streaming platform with that. So we're hoping now it's going to be a lot easier to kind of keep up with everything. Um, but it is definitely like, I mean, my parents always, people that support me always watch it live. But definitely it's something that, we're hopefully can basically stream them more that people can catch up with games. Um, yeah. It's clearly something that's, you know, I mean, it's not necessarily just the, the seven sport, you know, it's the same in the 15s as well. There's a big push for, you know, getting this sport out to more people and sort of making it more accessible in, in, in your views, what sort of things can the sport do to sort of really raise its own profile? Is it a, you know more more behind the scenes stuff? Is it more things like this podcast and to actually have conversations with some of the players and, and really get their personalities out there? What do you think is sort of some of the things we could do to help raise the profile of not, not just the sevens, I suppose the fifteens as well? I think um, from a from a player's perspective, some some individuals in in other teams um, and other countries have done it. Started to do a really good job of. I guess, uh, creating some storylines, some personalities, um, on the series, both from the men's perspective and the women's perspective, like, um, Ilona Mayer from, from the American women's team is, is a huge character, both on and off the circuit. You've got, um, another American Perry Baker, like obviously he's one of those transition athletes. So that's a storyline in itself. But I think the more we can, um, create those narratives around players and building them up, I think it's only going to help grow, the profile of the sport um, as well as the teams. I think GB obviously is um, unique in the fact that it's the combination of, of three countries, which I think is an exciting um, sort of advertisement in itself. So there's definitely some value in that. I think um, despite its challenges, there's certainly a huge amount of value that can be, can be taken from, from the fact that we've got three unions coming together, three, three different countries, which obviously in the 50, 15 side of the game, you only see now and then with the, with the lions. So I think the fact that we're representing great Britain 
regularly throughout the year. And then obviously every four years, if qualification goes your way in Olympic games, like that in itself is a, is a really unique opportunity. Um, and I think if there's a way of, um, portraying that more to the, to the, to the public and to the supporters. And that'd be great. And I think a huge part of that is creating these narratives, creating these stories, getting to know the people behind the team, the people within the team, as well as like the support staff and, and like we're doing now, just getting a bit of a, a, um, a more granular understanding of kind of like what happens in camp because we're only in camp for four days, but like we, we get a lot done. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely a big thing for, for growing the, for growing the game and growing the profiles within it. I think also with that, on top of personalities, I think sevens are so unique with, we have men and women all together in one whole program. And I think coming into, like AJ was saying, is we've only got four days, but actually if you come in and see how we're all together and how we all support each other and kind of what goes on in there, I think people also understand how much sevens means to us also the game with it as well. It's not just another version of rugby. There's so much more to come with it. It's so extreme. Um, all your skill sets are on the top, um, whether you're on the field and also off, off the field. And then the family that comes with it is massive as well. I think that's sort of, that'll bring me on nicely to sort of <clears throat> asking about how you both got into the sevens game and, and sort of why you made the decision to stick with that as opposed to sort of 15s. Because as a, as a kid coming up, it's, you know, you may have the occasional sevens tournament at school, but it's mostly you're pushed into sort of that 15s bottleneck, aren't you? And then as as time goes on, you sort of get close to that professionalism. You you can then branch out and find more, more routes and more often... Uh, more times to play seven. So uh, how did you both find your way into sevens and what's made you stick with it? I suppose, and we'll come to you first. Um, I kind of start, I actually didn't start rugby till 16. So I was quite late into it. Um, I was a swimmer beforehand and I basically went to Saracens, went through the under 20s program um, and then kind of got pulled in for a few, we used to have development tournaments here and there um, and did a few of those around England. There wasn't that many for women. And then the kind of development program went a bit quiet and I don't think they had any tournaments on. Um, and I knew that some of the girls I played 20s with was in the program. Um, so I just decided to give 15s a full crack, really focus on that Um and I just got pulled in one day, got a phone call to come into the office um, and got given a contract from there. So I think it was, I mean, when I definitely got that phone call, I was like, are you sure? Like, I'm probably coming in for some chats about development stuff. Um, I didn't realize that they were going to offer me a contract there and then with that. Um, but I was kind of in that year where the women's team changed quite a lot. And there was a lot of us new faces that came in. Um, so I was actually there on the contract talks and that was quite tough as a kind of new player seeing that. Um, but yeah, that's what kind of where I got my opportunity with it. And from that contract, I fell in love with sevens and kind of never really looked back. Um, I think there is probably in the future somewhere that I'll probably give 15s a crack again, but right now I'm kind of in love with sevens and how everything that comes with it. I mean, it sounds like a hugely unique environment. I, th I mean, I think you're, uh, before, you know, sort of having a look at the research for for this pod and, and, and having conversations, I was unaware of the fact that you were all together um, at the same training camp. And that's a hugely unique aspect to it. And like you say, something that we should really get out there. And, and I'm, I'm really interested to dive into 
how sort of a week's week looks like for you as professionals going into a tournament and sort of like your camp weeks as well. But we'll come to that. But but first, Alex, what was your route into sevens? Yeah, up, up until about the age of probably 18, it was a fa- it was fairly, I guess, linear, typical kind of uh, route through rugby, paid a bit of age group stuff, um, played local like Bristol Academy where I grew up. And then uh, 18 just <clears throat> decided through a few conversations with people close to me, particularly my parents, like decided to take the opportunity of going down sort of the university pathway. Um, and so went to Loughborough for three years, um, which was amazing. I loved that transition um, and kind of the the opportunities that like living away from home and experiencing um, what I say adult life felt like it wasn't much of an adult life, but it was more just learning as you, as you went, just uh, learning from mistakes probably. Um, yeah, I, I played a load of sevens when I was younger at school. We were, we were, I was really lucky. We had a very successful sevens team. We won Roslyn Park um, in my final year of sick form. And then, yeah, coming out of Loughborough, I was um, probably looking at going into the 15 aside game. Just I'd been playing there three years sort of in the National League and um, was wasn't really thinking about sevens hadn't played a lot for a number of years and had an opportunity to play in the summer on the, on the GB summer series, sort of the invitational circuit um, through an old coach of mine from Loughborough. And just so happened at the time that um, Simon Amor, our previous England sevens coach was helping out with the management side of that team. And uh, my first one was up in, in Edinburgh and, and it happened to go quite well. And he invited me to a couple of more tournaments and off the back of that got invited to training camp down at the Lensbury in Teddington um, in 2014 and then went to Leon with the academy team in the summer, played on the European circuit and yeah, coming back August, September time, um, I was very lucky to have a, a contract offered to me. So it really wasn't on my radar at all, but um, coming out of university, the opportunity to play for England on the seventh circuit, traveling the world, it was a bit of a no brainer for me. So I just jumped at the opportunity. Um, I think it appealed to me a bit more than maybe going down South and playing for pirates or I don't know, Jersey in the, <laughs> the winter when I could be in Dubai or Australia. So I think that was part of the appeal, but yeah, certainly having played a lot as a youngster, I was, I was dead keen to, to get back into the mix of it. I mean, you turned out the, the windy delights of Penzance yeah. by Hong Kong and chasing the sun. You're a man. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> so, so I'm interested then. Um, like I said, as, as a 15s player, sort of, and I've never really known anything more bar one or two sevens tournaments, which were very sketchy as a front row forward. Um, uh, all that I've ever known really is, is the 15s game. So for us, you know, we're each week we're focusing on one particular opposition, never really have to worry about more than sort of a few hours worth of travel around the country, you know, and obviously only one game mentally to physically and mentally prepare for. But obviously as, as a sevens team, you're, you know, you've, you've got all that travel, you've got multiple teams you're playing on a weekend. You know, it's a completely different landscape. Can you just talk me through for the listeners how, how your normal week would pan out? Sort of give us a training camp week and then sort of a, a week leading into a tournament. Yeah, so training week, actually running through our last camp is we've, because we haven't got loads of, camps this season so we're trying to make the most out of everything we have when we're together so we've ended up so day you land it's kind of like a chill day you normally have some skills get yourself back into it um because obviously so, loads of us have now traveled from 
England and we've all either been in cars um, or been on flights all come together. And then we've got three intense days where for us, I think the men follow the same um, schedule with us is we had two rugby on field sessions a day, um, which are really intense. They're probably about just over an hour and a half. Um, and then you probably have, we had them with the 90 minutes between to try to replicate the game day. And then in the afternoon we had gym and that's uppers, lowers, or just top-ups, injury prevention stuff. Um, so we kind of push pretty hard with all of it. I know that men always keep contact to the last day, which I'm sometimes thankful that we do on the first day. <laughs> um, so we end up doing contact both days just to kind of balance it out and to go hard with it. And then we kind of spread the this training sessions with some game day stuff to kind of replicate scenarios, what you'd face in a competition, and then other days we kind of push it and see how far we can push our performance and try stuff out yeah i think um game day or a competition week so when we're on tour um so slightly different for us heading out to malaga this week because it's i guess it's not um official competition but there'll certainly be some similarities to, to the world series stuff but more often well we'll always know particularly our first uh, three games from the pool match, pool matches, whatever the draw is, and then obviously all going well, we'll be able to should be able to usually predict from that who we possibly will play in the next round if we top or come second in the group. So there's always a lot of preparation that goes into that before we actually go out to to the tournament in terms of analysing the opposition. So it could be that GB, I think GB men for Dubai this year in a pool with France, New Zealand and USA. So we'll start prepping for that in advance in terms of um, analysing what's their attack structure, what's the defence structure, what are their kind of... Um, launches set plays like um what are their what's their kickoff sets up those sort of things and start to get really detailed in terms of like what 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 are some of the areas we're looking to attack where are some some areas that are maybe a bit weak of theirs who are some um who are some players on their on their on their team that we can isolate both from attack and defense perspective so um yeah a lot of work actually goes in behind the scenes and and um a lot of that is player driven um both from the men's and women's perspective, we get a lot of autonomy in that perspective. So we drive a lot of the attack, a lot of the reviews, um, although the coaches will obviously get involved, you'll often see um, the players reviewing stuff on on huddle to, and then getting up in the evenings, presenting back in terms of what went well, what are some work-ons for the sessions, what are some some um, some key points for, for the opposition coming up. Um, but usually when we're out actually in in competition week it's probably one particularly high uh, intensity session um just because the majority of the work's already been done by that point competition week's kind of just getting getting the bodies in the best place possible for for competition day obviously now that when men's and women's are together it's it's three days of competition unless there's two pitches so it's two days so um it's a lot of rugby over those few days um and you're often competing in some some pretty high temperatures or some tough conditions with the humidity in hong kong and singapore so certainly getting the the body adjusted to that or the time zone um is one of the the key aims for, for the week before you get into competition weekend but yeah i think sevens both from a competition week perspective and a training week perspective as as Emma's just touched on, it's, it's super intense. Like we just, um, we're pretty much on the whole time. Like whenever on pitch, we know there's a huge amount that we need to get out of it. Um, and, 
both in sort of high speed meters covered um, and distance covered, it's it's pretty full on. Obviously, physically, as you've mentioned there, there, there's a lot of obstacles and there's a lot of things you've got to do to get yourself in sort of the right headspace. <clears throat> but how difficult is it mentally? Uh, I, I think, again, from a sort of bringing it back to my own experience of, of 15s, I sort of, I'm gearing myself up ready to peak at the start of a game. And then by the end of that, I'm sort of, I'm then back down and I've got you know, another six days to recharge before I'm ready and I've got to go again. As you guys said, you know, sometimes you've got, 90 minutes to, to, to sort of ride that wave and get yourself back up again. How difficult is it to, to continue to sort of stay in that, that peak mental position um, so that you know that you're performing your best when you've got these sort of these peaks and troughs of just playing, coming off the pitch, playing, coming off the pitch? I think the most important thing with that, and it definitely has taken me personally time, and I think everyone that comes in and takes some time, is to be able to switch off. It's actually a lot harder to switch off than you think. And I think that's where you start to learn is you need to peak for these games. You build yourself up. Also, you need to learn to be able to... So like for me after games is you always have the same routine. Like I always shower. And then after the shower, I know that that's kind of where my switch off, where I stop thinking of the game, you go into analysis mode or you move on to the next game. Um, And I think that's kind of where you save all your energy. If you stay on a high you sometimes burn out and you can't give everything for each game. Um, and it's the same with training is with, we've got such busy days in and out, and especially you can't keep yourself ramped up because um, you will just physically kind of die out or by the end of the day, you haven't got much time to socialize. So I think that's a major thing is how do you switch off? How does that look like to you? Also being able to kind of flick that switch to get into game mode. And it definitely takes practice and how that looks for everyone is also very, very different. Um, some people's ramps up are a lot slower um, and some people can kind of flick the switch a lot easier. So it's kind of you just kind of working that out. So we do a lot of practice actually in training days is being able to flick that switch on and off. And we had some new girls in camp um, and it's just that switch off where actually we kind of learn how to do that. And we and we can ramp back up where they were like, oh, I was just, I was just switched off. So I, um, they were like so tired. And I was like, you'll learn soon to take this 90 minutes and actually be able to fully turn your brain off for a little bit and relax and be able to ramp up again. I suppose that's just as important, you know, not necessarily just from that point of view, but even the highs and the lows, you've got to switch off from it all, haven't you? You've almost got a complete reset. You can come off the back of one of the best wins you've had, but you know you've got to repeat it again. You still can't be riding that high. Yeah. And it's also hard is each game is so different and you might come out and first game not perform the way you want to, but you can't dwell on it. You've, you've got to park it. You've got to move on because the next few games is going to be just as important and you have to focus all your energy on that. So I think a major bit is not just that switch off, but also be able to park things a lot easier and kind of move on and be able to get the result in the next game if it's needed. Yeah, that's definitely a, uh, a key point because um, sevens, like Emma said, is so unpredictable. Like the the level of competition now has just grown rapidly over the years, and it's just, it's a really really competitive series now. So actually, sometimes you can end up in groups where almost every team's beating each other. Um, and actually, although you may have lost 
your first game, you know how quickly results can change um, and the importance of being able to draw your attention onto the next the next game is is vital because actually that then becomes the next big factor because you know that if you turn the number one seed over and you're the number four seed, it just completely throws the pool open. And from a men's perspective, I've been in many groups where actually like we may have won a game, lost a game and drawn a game or lost two and won one. And actually somehow we still got through to quarterfinals. So it's crazy um, how, how quickly the, the, the landscape of a pool can change in a competition. And one thing we always say, especially at an end of, at the end of, competition day one especially if we've made the quarterfinals it's like nothing's won on day one as well like once you've got to the end of day one you're in the quarterfinals it, it means bugger all really until you get to that quarterfinal that's when the that's when the competition really starts that's knockout rugby that's that's where you want to be that's where the obviously the the big the top eight um are competing regularly for the for the series and for the for the medals of each leg so yeah the ability to be able to part results whether it's a good result or a bad result is key and Emma obviously said she works on her routine and other people have their own sort of triggers and routines. And I think that's one thing to understand as well is that we all know each other so well. Um, and I think being able to appreciate um, and acknowledge each other's kind of routine, whether that's pre-match or post-match is really important. Like some guys like to listen to their music. Some guys like to get revved up. Some guys are real chilled, um, whatever that may be, but sort of being sort of appreciative of those different individuals, different characters, different routines is, is dead important. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you don't have these tournament weeks without a tournament. See my little segue there. It was good, wasn't it? Uh, uh, which brings me on perfectly to the Seven Circuit relaunching. The HSBC Sevens, their tagline, Chasing the Sun. Um, obviously, massive, massive that, that, that that's back. And how excited are you both for that? Yeah, it's not really chasing the sun in Vancouver, to be honest, because often the weather there isn't the best. But I hey, you said the same thing about Scotland, but it's not been yeah, too bad yeah, so far. Yeah. Can't complain because apart from there, like every single stop on the circuit is just amazing. Like we do, we're very fortunate that we get to travel to some amazing locations all around the world. So obviously the weather is starting to get a bit bleak here in, in the UK and soon we'll be jetting off to Dubai and Cape Town. So um, it's, it's not bad at all, but yeah, I think it's super exciting. Obviously we got a bit of a taste to it towards the end of last year with the relegation and promotion introduction at the London leg. Um, and I think the whole concept of creating some more jeopardy for us as players is very um, concerning because obviously our for for a lot of us we were we were kind of uh, I guess against it because we were saying programs particularly from a GB perspective or some of the programs that maybe aren't so well supported really rely on the series. And if they don't have a place on the series, then it's it's possible that you could see the the um, demise of some programs, which would be really sad, but I think for the well-being and the future of the seven sport, um, it's it's probably a good way to go just in terms of, yeah, creating some excitement for the fans. Obviously, they know their, their target market is that sort of um, 20 to 35-year-old person that's looking for a party, looking for some, some good times um, whilst occasionally watching some rugby uh so yeah i think it's i think it's brilliant um i remember back in sort of 2015 16 when it first made its mark on the 
on the Olympic circuit in Rio and everyone loved loved it. It made a, a huge impression. And I think that's actually when the series was at its best as well. Um, so I'm really hoping, like we spoke about earlier, the accessibility of it all starts to improve and and we get some more buying from the fans. But definitely I think it's it's exciting for the future of the series. Yeah, I'm super excited as well because I think there's um men and women together and all the stops will be exciting. There's loads of stops. I think there's two stops, three stops that us women haven't actually done yet. So seeing Singapore will be real cool for us doing LA properly. Also, um, last time we were there was pre Tokyo, um, for some invitational stuff. So I'm just excited to kind of go back out there and get these new stops and kind of kick it off. And like AJ said, is this new, um, kind of, knockout by a risk stuff is going to get a little bit of getting used to, but then also kind of puts the pressure on us. And that's where also we want to play is we love this game for several reasons. And if we can get more buy-in and that makes it a a fun game to watch, then I think it will just grow the game. It looks like an incredible circuit and it looks like some really fun places to play. Do you get a lot of, obviously, like you say, the, the, those tournament weeks, those camp weeks are so intense when you're there. Do you get enough time to sort of go around and experience these these cities while you're there? It depends um, how the week looked like because um, we're all performance-based. You never want to go out and do loads of stuff. So depends when you get your off day. Um, the last few tours, us women haven't had an off day day before because you never want to do something day before I know the men always had the rest day day before um so you always kind of reel it in you normally do like the low level stuff but most of it's going for coffees to be fair and seeing like a new bit of it um or like evening walks um trying to get that recovery in at the same time um the main time that you can actually go and see stuff properly is if you actually have a day off post tournament um so I think that's kind of what sometimes you always hope for is sometimes you want to get back home, but sometimes you want to stay and kind of see more stuff. And I think we get to see it, but I think I, there's so many places that I would love to go back to and actually be able to discover properly. Um, so you end up getting a taste for the places, um, getting a taste of the sun and kind of what you would get if you spent a decent amount of time there. But it's that fair balance of being able to see stuff and enjoy it, but also focusing on the the main reason you're there. We're really lucky that um, whenever we're at a competition, all the teams get assigned at least one or two liaison officers. And more often than not, they are local to the area or know it well, have been a liaison officer for the competition for a number of years. So um, that's cool that we get that kind of level of insight and support from someone um, who can kind of show us around. Like we've been really fortunate as a... England sevens team in the past and a GB sevens team at present for some of the, for the, some of the liaison officers we've had, like in Vancouver, we get these two ex cops who have got all sorts of stories and they've, they've been known to take the management on a couple of ride alongs in the evenings through some of the dodgy parts of town and stuff like that. So to be able to get that, that level of sort of fun and support from, from guys locally who obviously just love being a part of our team for, for a few days is, is super exciting. And yeah, it's, it's, it's cool, but you do have to be careful how much you get up to during the week. We had one time in Sydney one year where it was like, we didn't do particularly well in the tournament. And I think pretty much the whole team had been out walking far too much in the week. And S and C was like, right on all your phones and everyone basically had been doing like 
20 to 30,000 steps every day. So legs were just pipes. Um, so that was step gate one year, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. Like we're obviously coming out of winter as well. So you buy in Cape Town, we're all pale and haven't seen the sun in months. So then you go to Dubai and Cape Town, you just get burnt and stuff like that. So it's, it's all sort of little triggers and things that you have to be careful, but no, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we've definitely had that before. I think when we were fresh onto the circuit, um, we obviously the sun and you're super, super pale. And you're like, oh yeah, we're just going to sit in the sun for 10 minutes. And then before you know it, you're like, oh. <laughs> so you learn quite quick to um, be careful with that and kind of stay out of the sun. <laughs> Especially the squats. Yeah, God, yeah. They're the worst for it. Fair play. It would take a lot of discipline because looking at this circuit how and some of those places, I mean, for me, and again, probably not as, as much of a problem for you two because you're not a front row forward, but I'm just looking at all of that, thinking regional food in all of these places, LA, Vancouver, Cape Town, all I'm thinking is some of the best food around. Uh, and that would be a, definitely a difficult one for me to sort of, Stick to plan. Maybe I'd need the twenty to thirty thousand steps anyway, just to sort of offset it. But we're um we're drawing to a close here, and I think just before we we sign off and thank you both, where's where's the one place on the circuit you're most looking forward to going back to or experiencing for the first time this year? I always love going to Cape Town. Um, I absolutely love the tournament. Um, love the stadium. I also like like Cape Town Bay. Um, but on the same breath, I actually really excited to kind of see Singapore um, as well because I have heard great things about it. Um, so I'm yeah looking forward to that stop. Yeah, I mean one place um, I love playing going to it's just because it's kind of the home of Sevens is Hong Kong. It's just pretty unique. Like the cityscape amongst the jungle is 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 pretty amazing. Obviously, it's it's a pretty unforgiving um, climate to play in, but it's it's dead cool and the competition is just nuts like they love it over there um so that's definitely one I'm, I'm always looking forward to but new stop this year is perth in australia um which i've heard pretty cool things about so um i'm excited to to see what that has to offer good places to try out new coffee and keep steps to an absolute minimum yeah professional i like it well that draws us to the end of this episode thank you to emma and alex for giving up their time thank you both and if there's anything that you want to hear in episodes going forward, just tweet us, Instagram us, message us however you like using hashtag the player's voice. I've been your host, Ethan Waller. See you next time.